Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. to the Republic of Spoilerverse. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kendrick Regan, and today on the show, well, we got Heather Antos, don't we? And Heather comes by way of Valiant Comics. She's just one of their editors now. Shouldn't say she's just one of their editors. She is an editor at the amazing Valiant Comics. She came from Marvel. She's done a bunch of independent editing. And she's an all-around awesome gal. Is that the way to say it? Awesome gal? Just an awesome person. Let's just leave it at that. She's an awesome person. And today, Melissa sat down and had a great conversation with Heather. So why don't we sit back, relax, and enjoy Melissa talking with Heather in their own words. This is Spoiler Country, and I'm Melissa Sercha. Today on the show, I'm really excited to welcome senior editor for Valiant and Image Comics, Heather Antos. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm excited. How's your day going so far? Um, it's It's been a busy day. It's, uh, God, I feel like the whole thing has been spent on like interviews and calls today because I did uh, my portfolio reviews for Valiant. So I did 10 of those today. And then I had a call with a client in Australia and then another live stream in England. And now this podcast with you on the West Coast. So I'm all over the map. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Well, hopefully you get to relax soon and just like enjoy the rest of your night. <laughs> yeah, it's video games after this, man. It's oh. video games after this. Awesome. What are you playing right now? The new Assassin's Creed, uh, Valhalla. Oh, God, I just saw the trailer for that. How is it? Uh, so I'm an Assassin's Creed diehard. Like, I've been, God, these games have been out for over a decade now. So, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love them. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very biased towards them. But uh, I, and I love Norse mythology. And it's just, it's so cool to see, like, how far video games have come. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the, the technology and the open world and it's, it's super great. And if there's one thing that Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed does very, very well, it's their lore and storytelling. Um, it's a great game for, you know, newbies who are new to the, the, the world, but also it, there's so much cool stuff that builds upon the previous games for the diehards. And it's, it's, it's really, really, really well made. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, I've played a, a little bit of Assassin's Creed. Um, I'm more of a Bethesda 
uh, Fallout. Yeah. Skyrim. I just started and, Fallout 4 last week too. So there you oh, go. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think Fallout 4 was one of my favorites. I mean, Fallout 3 is probably the, the best one they've mm. ever done. Um, the newest one has some issues with being, yeah, um, you know, multi. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've tried so many times to get into it, but it's been difficult. So we have those old ones to fall back on, but, um, yeah. you'll, you'll like Fallout 4. That's a fun one, but I, I want to check out Valhalla because I love the Viking uh, television show and that just. Oh, that oh yeah. 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 Um, cool. Well, I, I want to get a little bit of background um, info. I'd love to find out how did you get started in this comic book industry? Yeah. Um, so I didn't grow up reading your standard superhero comics. Um, <laughs> It just, it you know, there wasn't a shop nearby. I didn't really know what comics were. I definitely knew what superheroes were. Like, I watched, you know, the uh, 1960s Adam West or, or Batman show, and I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, kind of the the MCU took off and the, the Warner Brothers, you know, Chris Nolan Batman films, all of that, that um, comics for me and my generation, really this generation became prevalent. Um, and I was in high school and college around that time. And I, that's when I got into, um, a lot of the vertigo books, like your Sandman's and Chance mm-hmm. Metropolitan, Why the Last Man. Um, and that's where like kind of my fandom began, but I didn't really get into, making comics or being interested in making comics or even realize <laughs> that making comics was a viable career path until uh my last year of college um when I was you know I, I like any good wannabe starving artist I decided mm-hmm. my senior year of college that what I went to college for I no longer wanted to do um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> which, that happens <laughs> which uh definitely incited a lot of panic um <laughs> yeah <laughs> Totally. <laughs> uh, but one of my friends at the time, uh, you know, he turned to me and he said, he's like, well, Heather, you really like comics. Like, why don't you just do that? And it had never crossed my mind. It's like, oh, yeah, people get paid for this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. People people do this for a living. Um, and it just kind of became that was that it was horse blinders at that point. Like what what, what opportunities are there? Um, is it a good fit for me? Is there some place that I mm-hmm. would belong that it made sense that wouldn't require me to start my education from scratch all over again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so my background, I come from the world of theater, of film production. Um, mm-hmm. I've always written since I, you know, I've, I've written and drawn stories, painted, you know, I've always been involved in storytelling and creative arts in some way, shape or form my entire life. Um, and so for me, it was more so like learning how to transfer those skills to this new medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my research of the comics industry, uh, you know, as you, as you look in your credits, there's mm-hmm. an editor on every single book. Yep. And I know you can probably hear my dog squeaking in the That's background. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's after dinner playtime. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I knew what an editor does for, like, a traditional novel, right? Yep. But that's working with one writer. Maybe two. Mm-hmm. But in comics, you have a writer or a co-writer or a penciler and an inker and a colorist and a letter and a cover artist. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and it's constant, right? There's constantly new issues coming out. 
and fast paced. Yeah. And so I was just kind of curious, like, what is that job? What does that entail? So like any good millennial does, um, (laughs) I tweeted editors. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Back in 2014. uh, So, you know, Twitter was a little bit different than it is today. Uh, I think people were more receptive to communicating with strangers. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Online. Um, But, uh, you know, I noticed the same editors were on the different books that I read. Um, So clearly there was something that they were doing that interested me. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how I met Jordan White. Um, And I tweeted it. I was like, hey, I'm going to be a C2E2. I saw you're going to be there. Will you talk with me? And he said yes. Um, And I did, under the guise of an interview for a site I was writing for at the time. (laughs) This is is how I'm going to learn. This is how I'm going to learn what a comic book editor is. (laughs) Uh. Um, But, you know, he was very great. He answered all my questions, kind of walked me through, you know, the ins and outs of comics editorial, the difference between the positions, um, how he broke in. And I left that convention knowing this is it. This is what I want to do. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And I set out, you know, I was 24 at the time and I set out, okay, my goal is by 30, I'm going to work for a comic publisher. Awesome. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. And that's uh, just, so cool. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Uh, I, I, I was working, <laughs> I was working for Marvel before my 25th birthday. So I think that panned out. <laughs> yeah. I think you're doing, yeah. You're ahead of your goal there. No, that's a huge, huge accomplishment. Um, yeah, no, it's amazing. And that's what I was going to ask you if you had wanted to start out as an editor. So you answered that question. And then you're also, you write as well, um, as you mentioned, and you had a, a comic that you wrote yourself, Unlawful Good, which was very successful. So did that come before or after the editing? Um, so Unlawful Good was actually, uh, it was an anthology that I put together. That was actually my first ever comic project. That was mm-hmm. kind of my like, you know, I left C2E2, um, like I want to be an editor. I can't get an internship at one of the big publishers because you have to be in college and I'm already out of college. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to build a portfolio, essentially. You know, as a writer, you need a portfolio. As an artist, you need a portfolio. So I'm going to build an editorial portfolio so that way I can show them, look what I can do. I can do this. But also it was kind of just like, can I do this? Do I even like doing this? Am I any good at it? I don't know. Um, and that's kind of how I feel every single day. It hasn't changed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's very common. I'm a, a writer as well. It's that imposter syndrome. It never goes away. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so I, I kind of put the call out. Would anyone be interested in doing an anthology, you know, from my time in the trenches? I know that writers hate looking for an artist. They hate project mm-hmm. management. Artists hate finding a writer to work with. They, you know, everyone just kind of wants it to happen for them. And mm-hmm. all they have to do is write and draw and no one wants to do the rest of the shit. It's boring. Yep. Um, so I was like, hey, I'll do all that stuff you hate to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it funded. I'll project manage. I'll make it go to print. I'll ship it out. All you have to do is draw. All you have to do is write. Um, shocking. People were interested. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I spent that summer... Um, in 2014, just, you know, I was managing a team of like 40 different creators, artists, writers, colors, letters, the whole shebang, um, produced a Kickstarter at the time. It was one of the most successful comics Kickstarters, um, they had had, um, and so much so that at New York comic-con that October, 
I was invited to speak on the Kickstarter panel at there. Um, you know, and it's, yeah. And it's baby me. And then like, here's Jimmy Palmiotti sitting next to me and (laughs) he's like comics, you know, legend. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. You know? And like, I think Ryan Brown, like I'm, I'm surrounded by like, I want to be you, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. This is my first comic. Uh, it must've been so nerve wracking. It it was, and it's New York comic con. There's like a thousand people in the audience. It was Mm -hmm. terrifying. (laughs) Um, but fun fact, while I was also there, I ran into Jordan White again, that same editor from Chicago. And I happened to have an Ashcan, uh, preview copy of Unlawful Good. And I showed him, I was like, look, look at what I've done since the last time we talked, since you told me what a comic editor does, I did it. Um, and he, he said to me, he's like, would you ever be interested in moving to New York? And like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. A month later, I had an interview. And two months later, I moved out to New York. Wow. That you say you impressed him, obviously, because I'm sure he talks to lots of people that, you know, he never hears from again. And here you are taking his advice, literally, and, uh, you know, basically proving to him that you can handle the the job. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's shocking. I, it still blows my mind all the time that like, even me as an editor, when I meet artists or writers that are, you know, they talk to me and I will, it's, it, this is, it's a test I do, mm-hmm. um, where I hand them my card and I say, email me nine times out of 10. I never hear from them. Wow. And it's just, it blows my mind. Um, yeah. you know, like, I, cause, cause you know, for all you want to be writers and artists out there, like mm-hmm. we don't need, we, we, there's working talent. We have mm-hmm. our pool of people to go to. Right. Right. Um, you know, yes. Everyone wants to be the, the next person to find the new Scott Snyder, the new Johnny case. Right. We all want to be that person, but like nine times out of 10, we're going to be working with established people that we know and trust and can rely on. Yeah. Um, so when an editor says, contact me, email me, and they give you their card. It, it's not to be polite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, you're not and, just handing it out like candy. Right. Exactly. And like, for me as an editor, I want to see, will you work for it? I want to see, you know, can you communicate? Can you follow through? Mm-hmm. Because if you, if I hand you a script and say, Hey, I need you to draw four pages, five pages, 20 pages. And I never hear from you again. Yeah. You know, that's not great. But so like, if you can't send a simple, Hey, it was so great to meet you at this comic con. Here's my latest work. Yeah. Now that seems just so like common sense that that's what you would do. Right. Right. Especially if you want it bad enough and and you've got this in, I mean, cause yeah, you don't get a business card from an editor from image every day. So I right. would think well, you would act on that. It's like, it, I'd be running home like as soon as I could. <laughs> well, exactly. Like it's not, you know, people complain that there's so few open doors. There's so few open doors. There's so few open doors and there are, don't get me wrong. Right. There's, there's only so many open doors. Otherwise a building just can't stand. <laughs> right. Just um, but but I feel like a lot of times too, people just don't see the doors. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. They get in their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Wow. That's, um, well, for everyone listening, you know, <laughs> don't do that essentially. If you want it bad enough, I mean, you, you do have to work for it. And I think, I mean, not in, even in writing, but just in acting and all different forms of, you know, entertainment. I think that a lot of people think it's just going to be handed to them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's just going to be an automatic, like you said, open door. But I mean, there's thousands of people vying for that seat at the table. And I believe you have to have the talent as well. But the but drive is really important too, I think. Oh, it's so important, you know, and I think there's this old school dream mm-hmm. of being discovered. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to be discovered, right? right. In a shopping and mall. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, but that's it. Like, but if yeah. you're just in your artist studio at home in the corner drawing and not putting it out there and not showing it to people and not talking to people, how are you ever going to be discovered? Mm-hmm. You know, like Stanley, yeah. is not going to just call you. Right. <laughs> yeah, They have no idea who you are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So if you get someone who's like, you know, again, here's, here's my number. Just, just punch in those seven digits. Right. Um, yeah. So, so there's, you know, it's a, it's a give and take, it's a push and pull, but, but if someone's, you know, showing you the door, you better knock on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, as, as much as you, you know, obviously work with the established writers and artists because they've built a brand already, you are still looking for fresh concepts, right? I mean, you want somebody new and be the first one to be like, I discovered them or I, you know, I helped their career. A hundred percent. I mean, that was at Marvel. One of my, some of the proudest things of Marvel is is a lot of artists that I brought in are still working there. Um, and are moving up on bigger, bigger, like Rod Reyes, I brought him into Marvel, you know, mm-hmm. um, Casper Vingard, Mike Henderson, um, you know, Kelly Thompson, a, a lot of these names, like I brought in and they're wow. still working there. So like, I'm a huge, huge advocate for up and coming talent. And I, you know, I believe it's my job, part of my job as an editor to see what's new and see what's out there. And I put in a lot of work to do that. Um, but again, you know, it's my job on the line too. So I'm only going to take a chance on people that I believe are worth it. And I believe are going to follow through and I believe are going to invest just as much time and effort that I'm going to invest in them. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's not all, you know, it's like you said, you got to put the work in too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, I'm familiar with, uh, I'm an author, so I'm familiar with the process with books and and novels. For comic books, what's your acquisition process like? Do they have to be agented? Is there submissions? Um, It depends depends entirely on what publisher. (laughs) It's all very, very different. Um, So uh, when... What angle do I want to come from? <laughs> uh, let's let's start with the agent question. Um, a lot of people, you know, do I need to get an agent to work with Marvel DC? No. Um, and and most standard comic book monthly, I mean all monthly comic book publishers, the answer is no. And and quite frankly, a lot of agents won't even touch them because there's so little money in comics. You know, agents right. feel bad if they take ten percent of your your page rate, right, <laughs> or or whatever. You know, fifteen percent, whatever it is. Um, you know, obviously, if you get to the Mark Wade or Neil Gaiman or you know mm-hmm. one of those levels, the creme de la creme, um, 
then you typically have a manager and agent and, and all that stuff to navigate. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're starting out, you don't go through an agent. However, if you are looking to go into the OGN market, right. With your mm-hmm. top traditional five, you know, penguin random house, uh, all of those publishers. Yes. Those publishers, you have to have an agent. You have right. to consider them. Um, so it depends on, you know, what your goals are, what you're looking to do. Um, on that front. So yeah, if you, if you are looking to go the OGN market, um, you're going to need an agent. Um, I don't work in that market, so I can't really speak to that process. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I don't definitely. But for you, when you're looking, um, for like the newest person, do they submit to you directly? Um, is that, do you have like a submission guidelines on your website or on, uh, images website? Um, so image, so the way image works is image. I don't work for image. I, I am contracted by creators who mm, okay. are through image. So, um, image in and of itself does not have editors. Um, they're purely a publisher. Um, however, I've worked with image so much on mm. so many different things that, you know, I have a very well-established relationship with them. Um, as for how, you know, image, image, yes, they do have submission guidelines on their website, um, that, um, you know, as I say, for anyone who's submitting to image dark horse, Oni, you know, any publisher, read Mm -hmm. the guidelines, read Mm -hmm. them, follow (laughs) them, read them. Um, like with Valiant, when I do my portfolio reviews, um, again, like when I hand you a card and I say, Hey, contact me, email Mm -hmm. me. Those submission guidelines are not just for fun, you know? Yeah. Can you follow directions? Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. You, can you read? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, um, and, it, you know, um, because yeah. we get so many submissions for things like that, if you do not follow them, I will not look at it because I have 500 other submissions who did follow mm-hmm. directions you know, um, and my eyes are going to bleed regardless going through those. So, um, <laughs> a good way to weed them out. <laughs> it's a real, it's an excellent way. You know, it's can, again, can you follow directions? Right. Um, well, cause if know. they can't follow directions and submissions, then they're not going to be able to follow directions when you're actually asking them to do work. Well, exactly. And like, are they going to cut corners? Cause you know, there's one of the, just using, for example, for the valiant virtual portfolio review submissions, um, cause that's the Valiant does not accept unsolicited submissions. Okay. So you can't just, I have the greatest idea for a bloodshot character. Here you go. You can't <laughs> do that. Um, we won't read it. It'll be deleted. And quite frankly, there's a good chance your name and email will be put on a, a block list. Right. Um, so again, read the submission guidelines. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, uh, one of the rules is you have to send your portfolio via it's, it has to be a single PDF max 25 megabytes, 20 pages. Okay. Um, really, really easy to do. If you don't have Acro- Acrobat, there's online, you know, free PDF makers that you can use. Um, really, really easy. So many people though, I don't have a PDF. So here's a link. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's so lazy. Right. <laughs> and if well, you're going to be this lazy with a yeah. portfolio, with an interview, essentially, this is, a, this is a chance for a job interview. 
Yeah, right? essentially. And and you can't open every link that you get because you never know if it's got a virus in it or something, you know. Yeah. No, exactly. But but when it's but again, the reason just for anyone who's listening who wonders, well, why does it have to be that? Um, it's so I don't have to click through to another thing. If it's a PDF sent to my email, I can just quickly open that and preview, go through it, and then move to the next one and move to the next one and move to the next one. Because again, I have 500 of these to look through <laughs> and I can narrow it to 10. So I need to make this the most efficient process so sounds I don't ex- kill myself. <laughs> I know it sounds exhausting. <laughs> it, is. it really is. I love it though. It's great. Like, don't get me wrong. Right. Um, but uh, it's, you know, I, 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 it's very important to me to open these opportunities for up and coming talent and aspiring talent to, you know, um, you know, give them a chance and nurture them and, and help them with their careers. But, uh, mm-hmm. it is, you know, I, I, we don't have to do it. You know, it's not part of our job. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have a full-time job. So, you know, to take two days out of my week to literally just go through portfolios for people who are not working for me is a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, especially when you're, you're doing them a favor essentially. So you're like, please make it easy for me to read it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so when you were at Marvel, what was that experience like? I mean, being, you know, your first foray into everything and, you know, what was the most important thing that you learned from that experience? Oh my goodness. My, I mean, it was just the most massive imposter syndrome right off the bat. <laughs> um, you know, most of, most of my peers, there, the other assistants, um, all were interns and I wasn't. And, um, I later learned that being an intern at Marvel, you didn't really get a lot of hands-on editorial experience. It was more so, you know, here's an Mm -hmm. easy, easier chance to get hired, um, because they already know you. But, um, like I, I actually did come in with more comics making experience than most other people, Mm -hmm. but but at the time I didn't know that. Right. Like yeah. at the time I was just like, I have no experience. I've never done this before. Ah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and beyond that, I was hired on to launch the star Wars books, wow. you know, these high tier books with Jason Aaron and John Cassidy and, you know, uh, Mark Wade and Terry Dopp, the huge, huge names in comics. And wow. you want me to work with Lucasfilm and you want me on my first day to call Mark Wade and give him notes? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, and my first week, I'll never forget my first week, Jordan, uh, who hired me, uh, was on vacation. So that didn't help. Um, and then uh, the first task I was given was every Marvel book has a, a, a recap page, a page that's the first page of the comic. And it basically tells you, this is all you need to know if you didn't read the previous issue. So you can follow along. Nice. And, you know, it's like your Game of Thrones, right? It's that like mm-hmm. sequence at the beginning. Here's what's up. Um, and for the Star Wars books, we did the, you know, the opening crawl. Everyone knows the opening crawl from Star Wars. So mm-hmm. that, that was our recap. So my very first task was to write the opening crawl for an issue. <laughs> and as a lifelong Star Wars fan, that was the most intimidating thing that anyone could have asked me. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone knows it. It sets the tone for the whole movie. And I'm no not pressure. qualified for this. <laughs> exactly. I think it took me three days to like write these three paragraphs because I was just so 
you know, I was wigging out on it. And I remember, you know, you turn everything in for Lucasfilm approval and they like turned it back within half an hour and they're like, yeah, this is good. No notes. And I was just, you know, so stoked. And then like, (laughs) I've written dozens of them now, you know, every single issue had one. So I've probably written well over a hundred, but it was, it's really funny looking back at like, that was the most, (laughs) (laughs) the most intimidating, (laughs) intimidating thing. No, I think, I think the biggest takeaway, um, that I got is, you know, you have to be, you have to treat every single book, um, and every single creator, uh, you know, the best for them to be suited, you know, like you can't, you can't treat every writer the same. You're not going to get the best work out of them. You know, you might get the best work out of one of them, but what works for one writer is not going to work for another writer. It's not going to work for the same writer Mm -hmm. on a different book. Right. Um, you know, and so I think that's why I like editing comics so much is every single day and every single book and every single issue is so different. It is a, is a unique experience and a unique challenge, um, both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we all have children, um, but, Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think so long as you go in with an open mind for an open experience and just kind of learn to adapt and be flexible. It's a lot like improv, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting because yeah, every writer does have their own process and the, their own sort of like creative bursts. Um, and I, yeah, I guess that would be really important to be able to get to know each one individually and sort of not cater to them, but tailor, I guess, to their needs so that you can get the best product. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, like I believe it's my job to make it so that all a writer has to worry about is writing. All an artist has to worry about is drawing, you know, um, they shouldn't have to worry. If you can build a schedule so that they shouldn't have to worry about deadlines like that, then why wouldn't you, um, you know, Mm -hmm. um, some talent doesn't do themselves any favor in that (laughs) regard. Um, and, but it's my job to, to, to deal with that. And, you know, there's some talent that I know that schedules are just not their forte, Um, and so it's my job if I'm going to hire them to work around that and plan for that and, and be able to adapt to that. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, part-time, you know, therapist in a way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, definitely. Oh yeah. No, I, I definitely text my editor, um, probably way too much. (laughs) 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 Um, so, you know, after, you know, being in the industry for a little bit at Marvel, was there anything that surprised you about the industry that you didn't know beforehand when you were just a fan or a reader? Oh God. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, you know, comics doesn't pay as well as you think it would, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, 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 you know, everyone says no one goes into comics for the money, but, but no one goes into comics for the money, you know, like just Mm -hmm. cause you're, you're, you're working for Marvel does not, not mean you're making MCU billion dollar salaries like the actors, right? Like that's not, they're two different companies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And should it be that way? Absolutely not. But it is. And um, so, yeah, I think that that was very, very eye opening to me. Um, And I think. I don't know, like I I, I'm very much someone that goes into things with a very open mind and just kind of takes away. Um, I think um, I think how small of a world comics is Mm -hmm. Um, not that it was shocking, but like 
you know, I just didn't realize it. How like everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows everyone. That's what Um, it seems. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Comics are hard. They're very unforgiving, both mentally and physically. Um, you know, it's hard on your body to sit and draw that long all day and hunched over and, um, and the longevity and perseverance to, to stick in a career like this, like you're going to know everyone. And, you know, because we're all on a team and working together, no one's going to want an asshole to stick around. Right. Um, so you all share stories and like, you know, like the the good people stick around, right? Like that's kind Mm -hmm. of because they're the ones who get jobs because they're easy to work with. (laughs) Yeah. No, that would make, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other ones, I'm sure word gets around and then they, wonder if they, why they don't get jobs. And it's well, because, right. they, you know, it's, it's like they say, you know, you have to be, uh, easy to work. You know, you can be two of three, right. Easy to work with, um, good or fast. Right. Mm, yeah. Um, ideally we want all three very rarely do they come along. Um, but you need two out of three and you can be the best artist in the world, but if you're an asshole and you can't hit a deadline, why would you get hired? Right. Like yeah. that's, you know, that's just, kind of how it goes. <laughs> What's well, a business? I mean, as, yeah. as creative as everyone can be, it is a business and money is on the line and um, you have deadlines and, you know, expectations yeah. from retailers and things like that. No, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, do you feel any pressure as a woman in comics to work twice as hard as your male counterparts? <sighs> Not because I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm working twice as hard anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, no, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 this is a tough question. Um, you know, you're going to have personal experiences as a woman that lean sexist. Mm-hmm no matter where you are, you know, it's not privy to just comics. Right. Um, in any way, shape or form. Um, have I shared, have I had my fair share of misogynistic experiences? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. It's happened. Um, you know, it sucks. Um, but it, I don't think it like, means I have to work twice as hard. I'm just very much a fuck you. Like I'm what does that have to do any, with anything? And if anything, it probably makes me more bullish right. <laughs> anyway, like, um, and, uh, you're just going to piss me off more. And, and I'm very much, I say this to, you know, um, the colleagues all the time because I'm very much a straight shooter, no bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm like, okay. And if telling the truth gets me fired, then it gets me fired. I don't care. Like, right. um, that's just who I am. And, you know, I, that has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a woman, like nothing I do, mm-hmm. um, is driven by my sex. If anything, you know, if the only thing I do is, is, is that I do fight for more representation, you know, mm-hmm. I am more conscious of it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, 
as an editor, that's, I think, part of my job is to be conscious of who we're representing on the page and also behind the page. Um, and I don't think that, you know, your straight, straight white males of the world are socialized to mm-hmm. being conscious about it. Um, definitely something that is changing slowly, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've had to work twice as hard. I just do it to myself. Right. <laughs> You're a workaholic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, well, yeah, cause you know, I'm, I'm Gen X. So when I was a kid, um, you know, comics, I, I didn't grow up reading comics because they felt very exclusive to men. They were marketed to men. And, um, you know, we just weren't encouraged to read them. You know, it was like, go play with dolls, you know, essentially in my generation. Um, So, you know, I'm just curious, you know, it's changed so much. And I started getting into comics when I was in my 20s. And um, I see a lot more, you know, there's tons of women at comic cons now and, um, and, and just people of color, every, you know, there's just so much more um, inclusive than it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, Do you, how do you feel like you can contribute to that? Like as far as as an editor in increasing that inclusivity? Oh, I mean, a big, a big, big thing for me is, you know, just for me, it's putting myself out there and, you know, waving the flag of how I exist, mm-hmm. um, how I exist and, and successful and work on high profile things and have my entire career. Um, how I exist and that anyone who says that I can't fuck you, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and, but beyond that, it's challenging the norm. Um, you know, the, uh, an easy way for me is whenever I'm asked to be on a women of comics panel, I'm like, let's call this something else, Mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or my, my latest favorite is, uh, you know, when I was asked to be on, on one, uh, last year, I was just like, who's on the men of comics panel. (laughs) Right. Who's, who's on that one? What are you talking about? (laughs) I moderate. Um, and you know, um, but also uh, the big thing as an editor, it's to, to boost and support other creators of, you know, different backgrounds. Um, notice if my book is all straight white males, notice, um, you know, if it's the same dudes doing the same jobs over and over and over and, mm-hmm. and change that. Yeah. Um, and also tell stories that aren't just, I'm a dude and it's hard being a dude and I got to punch <laughs> things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's come up with some, yeah, fresher ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard being a dude. <laughs> I know they have such a rough life. <laughs> Um, another thing I've heard you mention is, um, you know, the toxic landscape of fandom, your words. Um, can, can you expand on that a little bit and talk about like what that entails and, and sort of like how we can try to combat that and correct that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, anyone who's ever been on the internet ever at all, um, knows that it's not the kindest place, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's on any user of the internet and any person of any fandom. It's it's your responsibility to make it a kind and warm and welcoming place. And I don't know why I could not tell you. I could not begin to tell you why 
there is a certain corner of all fandoms. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. comics. It's not just superheroes. It's not just movies. It, it seems to be just all fandoms have have this corner of exclusivity and superiority and it's mine and you know I think it comes from people self-identify and internalize Mm. uh, what they love because it all it, it does start from a place of love and I think that's what's so sad right um you know, the stuff with, uh, um, with like Leslie Jones or, you know, any, anyone, any, any woman or POC, uh, who has been attacked right. for, for portraying, um, a character that they didn't even write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they took a job. Um, and being attacked for it, for doing it wrong, for existing, for, you know, whatever bullshit reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it originally stems from, I love this thing so much, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's so sad. That's what's so sad about it. I'll, I'll never forget. Um, I went to Star Wars Celebration, my first one. Oh, fun. Um, in 20... 20- 16 I think um and I was there when or 2017 whatever whatever year we got the the um last Jedi trailer and I was there and to be in that room when that trailer dropped for the first time wow just the silence right Mm -hmm. um but you could feel this palpable energy of just excitement and for, for a moment, you know, everyone was there for one thing and and it was for this love of this one thing. And it was such a positive, warm experience to be, you know, connected with everyone in this moment because we're all here because we love this thing so much. It brought us all here together. Gives you chills. Yeah. And it's just like, why, why can't it just be that? Yeah. And why can't we just all be excited? Like, you know, I, I love Star Wars so much. Mm-hmm. My whole apartment, if you could see my whole apartment, it's literally just Star Wars shit everywhere. That's it's, awesome. <laughs> um, and like, you know, Legends or Canon or, you know, Jar Jar or Ewoks or Porgs or, you know, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. can't we just be excited that we love it? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was having a similar uh, conversation with a, with a voice actor uh, a couple nights ago about, you know, an old uh, cartoon that he did versus the new version and how a lot of fans like created all this backlash because it wasn't the same as the old one. And, you know, and it, we were basically just saying how you can appreciate, you, you know, the old one still, it's not going anywhere. You can still watch it anytime right. you want, but just give the new one a chance and sort of treat it as its own thing without bashing it essentially you know yeah like it's it's I think that's the, that's the best thing is like it still exists it yeah. like it's it's still you know like in in comics we we get this thing of like well that's not how it was in the 90s and it's just <laughs> kind of like those books still exist yeah. uh well why can't you do it this way I'm like because those writers aren't writing anymore and like is not in the 90s anymore either you know you want to you want stuff that's still going to be relevant to the times 
Right. Exactly. And, you know, um, I, I, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I can't tell you where any of this stems from. I just, Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's quite honestly, very, very sad. Um, that's something that's truly does stem from love, Mm -hmm. um, turns to something so toxic. Um, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be this way and it shouldn't be this way. And that's why, you know, for me and my platforms online, like I, you know, I try very, very hard to keep it all about like boosting other creators and, you know, talking about, um, things that I love in media and making sure I tag people and things that I love mm-hmm. that they created because so many times it's just, so oh, I'm going to tag someone cause I hate what they did. And like, oh I just I know. don't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I know. I don't understand that either. And I, I see that happen with a lot of it hasn't happened to me, luckily, thank God. But um I have seen that with some of my author friends where they get tagged and you know, really horrific negative reviews where um it's like you don't need to tag them. You know, you, if you right. don't like it, you can review it however you want, but you don't need to be like, here, look at how I you know ripped your book apart online. Like yeah. it's just like why? We have enough to worry about and stress about. Um yeah, I just the negativity uh, I don't I don't get. I try really hard to not, you know, and if I catch myself doing something negative, I'm like, whoa, stop. Like, you don't need to <laughs> express this I, negative thought. I really wish. And of course, they will never do this because, you know, social platforms exist because of controversy. They need right. it, unfortunately. Um, but I really wish there was like an app you could install, uh, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. in, in adjacent to Twitter where. Um, or Facebook or any of these where you're, you know, every time you're about to post something, it has a, like, are you sure you want to post that? Yeah. Like before, you know, you have to like confirm it twice. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Just like when you're about to purchase something and it asks you a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, really? <laughs> well, and I saw someone, uh, I don't know who someone on Twitter had just recently, uh, termed something that I thought was really cool. I'd never, I hadn't heard it before, but they called it joy scrolling instead of doom mm-hmm. scrolling. Yeah. I thought that's such a refreshing thing to hear, you know, that we're looking for the positive posts, not the gloom and doom ones. No, for sure. For sure. And it's, um, it's, it's so important, you know, to put that positive positivity out there. Um, because yeah, doom scrolling, it, it is a thing when you sit and wallow, like that's mm-hmm. going to be all you see, you know, when you look when you look for negative things, you tend to find them. Yeah. Um, and, but also when you look for opportunities and you look for things to be happy about and you look for civil things, you also tend to find those too. Um, and yes, not everything is, is roses and rainbows, but, um, so much, so much about our experiences. And this is just going beyond the internet and toxic fandom, but so much of our experiences are all about perspective. Yeah. Uh, and not to be like, oh, you should be glass half full all the time. Um, but, you know, uh, I yeah, think it's, it's important to remember that the, gl- that the glass is opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I think like attracts like, you know, when you mm-hmm. put out good energy um, and like you said, you're, you know, you're going to have a bad day no matter what you do. You can't be, you know, sunshine all of the time. But I do think that if you wallow and fester, like you said, you're just going to keep attracting those negative things to sort of almost reaffirm your own narrative, you know? Oh, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. A hundred, a hundred percent, you know, yeah. uh, you know, it's, Oh, this always happens to me. I was like, well, do, do, do you know why? Like, yeah. <laughs> like 
like what's the common denominator in that like <laughs> exactly it's like go watch Brene Brown now <laughs> yes oh yes <laughs> um well and so with all of that how do you think the the industry has changed from just from your perspective of when you first started to like up to this point oh my goodness I think like even just in the last five years six years oh my god yeah six years um, not, not that that's a long career, but like for, you know, for me, I, <laughs> no, that's, that's a good amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, again, like I said, I, I only, I was, when, when I was first venturing out, I was like, I want to work by a publisher by the time I'm 30 and I just turned 30 this year. So it's to, to like, you know, hit that, realize like, oh, this is, this is the goal I set up for myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, I mean, like, let's just representation already is so much better. Um, it's so, you know, are we there yet? No. Um, it's still, it's still white dudes writing Batman all the time. Right. (laughs) Um, but, but it's so, so much better than it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because people got angry and people were talking about it and people, you know, on the inside cared and fought and fought and fought and fought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and are slowly working their way up that ladder to where, you know, they it's not just someone screaming from down below, but they actually have the power to make these changes. And like that's, you know, now that I'm a senior editor, you know, like that yeah. power is mine. Um, and it it is scary, right? Because mm-hmm. I want to do the right thing and I know I'm not always gonna do the right thing. And um, and though my intentions may be the best, they might not always be executed. Um to the fullest, but, um, it's, you know, it's, we're getting so much more queer representation and representation Mm -hmm. of color and, and women and, um, just all over the spectrum. And it's, 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 it's so cool to see how much has changed in such a short time. Yeah. Do you think the pandemic has influenced that at all? Oh, I think the pandemic has, has definitely opened doors and changed things in a way for representation going forward. I mean, we're not going to know, obviously, until, you know, one, two, three years from now. But, like, right. because of the pandemic shutting us off from going to stores and picking up the same, you know, mm-hmm. Superman issue that we pick up all the time, um, we needed new content. And the only way to get that was digitally and the only way, and you know, the, the, the normal publishers weren't publishing anymore. They were on, on lock. So you had to go to creator owned and you had to go to different creators and you had to see what else was out there. Um, and in part Kickstarter had its best comics year ever. Yeah. They've Um, been doing insane things lately. And exactly. And you know, that's where, the you know uh, more minority creators go to to publish and fund their work because you know the the normal publishers would normally have not mm-hmm. um, been interested and so things are changing and it's very it's very 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 exciting yeah. um, to see things are going moving forward but we're even seeing it I mean like look at all the YA OGNs that are out there now oh my um, gosh even- yes even with the big two um and even characters you know we're getting 
trans superheroes and more LGBT superheroes and we're getting more superheroes of color and different religions and backgrounds and shapes and sizes. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's so cool to see how colorful the world really is. It's fantastic. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. I mean, just, it makes reading more exciting, you know, because you, as much as people want to see things that look like them, as you know, the stereotypical, um, you know, like the straight white man, as we were talking about earlier, but I find it's more exciting to read things that I don't know anything about, you know, that I, I want to learn about and get transported into a different world and culture. And I just think it's more exciting that we have so much more to choose from now. No, for sure. For sure. And like, it's, it's a thing that I did um, back when comic shops going, when I, when I felt like I could go into comic shops, um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very hesitant to, to go to, you know, socially outside right now. Yeah. A pandemic, <laughs> but, um, you know, I highly encourage when things are normal and safe again for people to do, um, you know, they say don't judge a book by a cover, but literally this is what I did where I would go into a shop and I would just pick up a book because I liked the cover mm-hmm. and I have to know anything about it. Um, it didn't have to be a number one. It could be any issue, but I would just, this cover stands out to me. I'm picking it up and reading it yep. and I would do it every single week. And I discovered some of the coolest stories that way. I discovered some great creators that way. I discovered, you know, some awesome things that I know I would have mm-hmm. not just picked up on my own. Right. Um, and it's, it's super fun and, um, to see what's out there and what's different. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm a sucker for artwork as well. If I see a cover that I like, actually, that's how I fell in love with Saga because mm-hmm. I just, it was oh, so, Fiona Staples. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> and I thought, okay. It's not fair how now. good she is. Oh, it's, it's really, yeah, it's insane. Um, and it, you know, it was great too, because when I was at Comic-Con the year that I brought it, I think this was like three years ago, it, there was so much cosplay mm-hmm. from it. Um, and at the time I hadn't picked up the book. So I, I told my friend, I said, who, what's this cosplay? And she's like, oh, it's from Saga. And I thought, okay, this is cool in itself. <laughs> so then I, I went over to the, you know, the stand and, and picked it up and I just fell in love with it. But but it was, yeah, it was the cosplay, the, the costumes, the um, the artwork, and then, of course, the story is absolutely fantastic. So, um, but yeah, no, I did the same thing. Sucker for the artwork. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing I want to touch on is, you know, you've been nominated for an Eisner, Harvey, and a Hugo Award. Um, huge. I mean, congratulations. <laughs> Thank like you. Insane. Um, you know, what did you, like, freak out when you found that out? And, you know, what does that mean? into you oh my goodness um it's uh, I don't know like it's 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 weird like you know I don't I didn't go into it's nice to be recognized I think is what you know it all comes down to it's nice to have your work recognized it's nice to see other people who like are like oh no that's good I like that do that more um you know and um to have you know, I think the Hugo, like Afra being nominated and winning the Hugo this year, that was, wow. that was just huge to, to see, um, a character that I was part of her inception, quite frankly, um, be recognized for representation. Um, 
especially because typically, and, and I don't know if this is true, but this is just my ignorant perspective. Typically, I feel like a lot of these um, awards don't go for, you know, oh, well, you're from a franchised IP, right? Like you're Star Wars, mm-hmm. you don't count, right? Yeah. Um, and so to see her get recognized despite that mm-hmm. um, is amazing. Um, but yeah, you know, like when I when I started out my career, I never thought I would be nominated for anything, right. um, you know, um, let alone win um, in any way, shape or form. And it's 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 just it's it's very humbling and it's nice. It's, it's so great to be appreciated, um, Mm -hmm. and recognized, um, from your industry peers, um, that like, no, 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 this is, this is what comics are about. This is, you know, this is the direction we as an industry want to move in. Um, especially for books that, you know, like Redlands, which is a book all about Mm -hmm. women being angry. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's what it's about. And, and Bitterroot about, a black family fighting racist monsters yes. and, you know, Afra, who's a queer, um, whatever the star Wars equivalent of an Asian <laughs> yes. you know, woman is. And, and so like, it's, it's so, you know, like, again, so much about my career is about, um, representing underrepresented voices in, in arts and putting it out there. And so to have books, that I'm so passionate about that do that be recognized for that um, is it's, it's just, it, 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 it just, you know, it, it kind of um, really makes me feel like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right path. Just keep doing it. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And Bitterroot is um, it's really good. I, I just read like the first issue so far. Um, and I got a chance to talk to him about it um, recently. So yeah, everybody needs to go check out better root as well. Yes. It's just amazing. Um, and just the concept and, um, yeah, no, that's congratulations for getting recognized. That, Thank that's you. super cool. Um, and, and needed, you know, right now we need to see, like you said, more, um, representation, um, not just, you know, out there, but also getting recognized mm-hmm. for, um, for the talent that's out there and the storytelling. Um, and speaking of storytelling, you wrote a blog post and then organized, um, a few other contributors for it called how to write a, a story set in space. And I really enjoyed that piece. I like the analogy used to explain the difference between sci-fi and fantasy by using the sort of Star Trek versus Star Wars analogy. Um, do you find that is something often that people don't get right? Like making that distinction uh, between science fiction and science fantasy? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um, all the time because I, and I, and you know, I don't, I don't know if there's anyone to blame for this, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like it's, it's, you know, any uh, people think that anything in space has to be sci-fi because space right. is science fiction and it's like space isn't science fiction it is real <laughs> um, right <laughs> that's true good point yeah like it's not it, it's not <laughs> it's not fake it does exist we just don't know a lot about it um 
But yeah, like just because, again, just because it has aliens doesn't mean it's sci-fi. We're not exploring, you know, like Saga is a mix between science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is exploring, you know, hypotheticals of science fiction and technology. Um, but it's it's mostly a fantasy. Yeah. Um, and, and genre is is a very important part of of you know as as you know as being a writer as being an Mm -hmm. editor it's it's important to understand the distinctions of genre and how to um really incorporate their strengths into the stories that you're trying to tell and um you know and really understand the story you're trying to tell and what genre can do to to help that yeah Uh, well yeah like as you said you were like space is the setting it's not like sci-fi is the genre right (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah space space is a setting it's not it's not a genre right, uh, <laughs> um, right. fantasy is a genre um star wars is a fantasy set in space <laughs> yeah. uh, where star trek right star trek is science fiction mm-hmm. set right. in space <laughs> yeah very much so <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, and then you've got like your space opera, you know, which is also, you know, it's more of like a, you know, it can be a rom-com set in space, space or whatever. Space thrillers happen. Like yeah. what, you know, like space interception or interception, um, interstellar. There you go. Oh, yeah. Interception. Okay. Yeah. Inception. Yeah. Wow. I in, interstellar and inception, the same thing. Wow. No, I was thinking inception as well. Cause that's, no, but inter- that's an- interstellar <laughs> is, Almost, I mean, it's a drama, but it's almost a thriller at some points. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and it, but it's set in space. It's also sci-fi. Yeah. It's not space fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's the, it's the, it's, it's whenever people do Star Trek versus Star Wars, I want to, you know, for me, I'm like, well, what, what's, what are you, um, what, what's the competition, right? What's, what are we greater than Mm-hmm. Um, what are our qualifiers? And they'll be like, well, what's the best, uh, you know, best sci- sci-fi. And I'm just like, oh, well, one of them isn't. So <laughs> this isn't right. <laughs> You're like, they're not, uh, both equal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's, you know, apples to oranges. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably a genre that, um, is probably a hard one for people to break into, uh, especially in comics. Um, you know, aside from the right. Just, just with the art as well and then if they can't fully understand the genre you know on top of that that must be frustrating for you sometimes to have to be like okay let's walk this back a bit you know <laughs> yeah no I think you know I think uh, Star Trek and, and Star Wars as great as they are have really confused the you know I guess um the uneducated mm-hmm. uh nerd. I don't right. like saying that but you, you know what I mean um yeah. on, on what sci-fi is because you know if we really want to break it down what's what's the first sci-fi it was frankenstein sorry it had nothing to do with space or aliens yeah <laughs> very it much was, so. it was, sci-fi is all hypotheticals what if this is possible that yeah. is that is literally all sci-fi is is what if this is possible what then yeah uh, you know and yeah yeah and um, somewhere down the road it it got just um associated you know, automatically with space space for whatever reason (laughs) for, for, I think it just, you know, the 19, you know, 19, um, 50s, 60s space race, 
Mm-hmm. I think that's where, and, that, and that's become so much since then, because again, there is, that is where so much of our hypothetical unknowns are, I think, left for the, for the modern world is there's, you know, aside from the deep sea, which very, very little about, um, but no right. one's interested in telling stories about that, which I don't understand. I find it fascinating and terrifying. Super um, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a spot. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but I have, and no one steal this for me. Um, <laughs> But I have, I have a horror story I want to do because there's a, a, a spot in the ocean, in the Pacific Ocean, mm. um, where the closest thing to you is not land. It's the space station. Oh, um, wow. And I think that there's a great horror story there. Oh, my gosh. That just sounds terrifying. Just yeah. listening to that short yeah. little blurb yeah (laughs) the the closest thing to you is the space station it's not asia it's not antarctica it's not america it is a space station wow that's Um, super creepy that needs to be written (laughs) (laughs) i would definitely read that (laughs) and you know you're also a story consultant i did notice that on your website um so like for you what are you know just briefly what are like the top key elements that you look for in a good story Oh gosh. Um, super high top key is, um, you know, what's the high concept is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, can I like my, my deep sea story, right? Like, can, can I hone it down to what are the bare bones in a sentence? Right. And is that interesting? Would I be interested in that? Can I sell that? Um, is, uh, if there's dialogue involved, um, which isn't always in story consulting. Like sometimes I'm just doing like IP consulting for like video games or like things like that. But, um, you know, is, is, does it feel organic? Does it feel natural? Um, does it make sense? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I follow it? Uh, <laughs> um, I understand uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and is it problematic? Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of times, there we're finding, especially in these days, um, and this is the one I see far too often is the fridged woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or the sexy lamp, right? Mm-hmm. Those are those are the two, uh, Gail Simone and Kelly Sue, fun, um, fun anecdotes. But but I see it all the time is oh, what's the most traumatic thing we can do? Oh, we're well, we're gonna kill the kid's mother in front of him. And that's the whole purpose in the story is to be murdered in front of him oh, um, just so he's traumatized and that's going to incite his story. And I'm just like, do we have to do that? Like, right. Is that, is there, can we do literally anything else that will have the same effect? You know? Yeah. There's lots to choose from. <laughs> um, right. Exactly. Or, you know, like, oh, her whole point, her whole existence is to be helpless mm-hmm. and to be saved and, <laughs> You know, um, and not saying that there's ro- it's wrong for a character's only existence, you know, because you do need plot devices sometimes. Right. Um, but when those plot devices are constantly women or LGBT or mm-hmm. POC, when they're constantly that, yeah. um, you know, in order to motivate the white man story, it is problematic. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, our existence is not to serve other. It's not to serve men, um, right? And uh, uh, unfortunately, those are those are stereotypes that are very very hard to break um, in uh, mass media. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. It's sort of like the Maid Marian complex. You know, when you, you see like the, the transition that's happened over the years and it still needs work. But, you know, if you go back to original stories of, of Robin Hood and she was the, the one that needed to be saved, the damsel in distress and, you know, flash forward to some of the newer versions that have come out in film. Um, you know, now she's like, you know, fighting and hopping around, you know, from building to building and actually like saving his ass at times, Yeah. you know? So I, I do like that, um, that it is changing. Obviously, um, it would be even better if it was like made called Maid Marian instead of exactly. Robin Hood. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. Or, or like one of the things that infuriated me the most recently, um, uh, say what you will about the new Hobbit trilogy, right? Love it or hate it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really care, but the thing, you know, Evangel- uh, Evangeline Lily's character, like, was I thrilled that they added, like, I love the Hobbits, one of my favorite books. And so, you know, when they're like, we're going to introduce this lady elf, I'm like, <laughs> she's not in it. Um, I get it though. You want a female character. So like, you know what, this is fine. But then when literally her entire purpose was a romantic storyline for one of the hobbits, I was, I was infuriated. Why, 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 why? (laughs) Exactly. Like I have nothing else to say, but why? (laughs) (laughs) What was the point of it? Just so he could, you know, get some romance. (laughs) Just so so we could be sad when he dies. Right. Like, you know, like, like who cares? (laughs) Sorry, but. (laughs) <laughs> It'd be more sad if he was single and alone. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and more relatable for a lot of people out there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because <laughs> Evangeline Lily is gorgeous. So I mean yeah. that's you know not common that she's gonna date a hobbit. So right. Um. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, like, you know, it's it's oh well you should be happy you got a woman or you should be happy you got a black person. It's like not if they're always villainized, not if it's always a you know, a homophobic experience mm-hmm. not if it's always you know um so like it's there there's a there's a very uh, people are trying and like they're not going to get it right every single time um right. and you know so there has to be some some give and take with with things like that but um you know it is you you it's important to praise them for trying and then always encourage them to do better yeah absolutely and i look for stories like that now and i think a lot of readers do I mean, I can't speak for, for everyone, but, um, you know, I will look for a story that is an all female cast or, um, more, you know, just all diverse and not just the typical, you know, that you see all the time. And I think that's probably another reason why I don't read a lot of the traditional superhero comics, you know, because they're just, they are what they are and they're kind of sort of, uh, you know, ingrained into what they're going to be forever. There's not much change you can do with them. So, you know, that's why a lot of the indie comics and, you know, are just more appealing, I think these days. No, I, I agree. Like, you know, and not saying there's anything wrong with Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, oh, you know, yeah. Iron Man, any of that stuff. But like, um, you know, Bruce Wayne is Batman. That's not changing. Clark Kent is Superman. Mm-hmm. That's not changing. You know, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. That's, you know, even though there are a million other Spider-Man and Miles Morales is fantastic. And and to be fair, the representation and following that Miles has mm-hmm. gives me hope. Right. Yeah. Like that it's massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's our anomaly there, but like it's 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 really hard. You can't create that, right? You can't manifest right um, that following just out of anywhere. And um, so, yeah, I think that's why people are following these uh, like Saga again. Mm-hmm. 
by these these other stories is they're done well, but the representation too is there, and it's not it's not just the same dude mm-hmm. um, in the same tights fighting right. the same dude, yeah, uh, over the same stupid thing. Exactly. Um, you know, there's a lot more nuance, and and not to say that superhero stories haven't become more nuanced. They have, you know, and mm-hmm. representation has gotten better, but um, you know they they do exist for a reason and they do have you know they 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 they've worked um yeah. they have their audience and so like it's just it's not gonna it's it's gonna take a lot more time <laughs> if that is to change and, and we don't know if it will and it, and it isn't necessary that that you know we don't need another batman right we don't right. need it can be bruce wayne forever and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that um but but it the companies need to understand that that isn't everyone's what everyone is interested in. Right. And yeah. And it, as we were saying earlier, it's like having that nostalgia for the past where you can, you can still appreciate mm-hmm. um, and recognize those comics of, of being like the groundbreaking, you know, the front runners that started the whole thing. Um, and you can still appreciate those with, and still want new and fresh, you know, stuff and a new superheroes uh, to be created, you know, things, uh, um, like even like, well, I know the title's funny. The Boys, you know, is a great comic just because there are female characters and there are diversity um, characters in that. And I think that's just the concept of sort of their personalities and not always, you know, there to save the day. They're kind of got these sinister, you know, personalities behind the scene. And that's just something totally fresh and different that, you know, I didn't read when I was mm-hmm. younger. And I think that, yeah, I think people really are hungry for for new stories like that. Yeah. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything you can sort of tease before we go that you have maybe recently acquired or anything that you can let us know to look out for? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, Valiant, uh, Exo Man Award number two is coming out uh, November 25th. So that is uh, the week of Thanksgiving for all my American friends. And it is the last week of November for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> for everyone else. It's just a Wednesday. Literally everyone else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we just announced the return of Savage in February of next year and Shadowman in April of next year. So lots of exciting things coming out at Valiant. And then I can't really talk too much about my other projects right now, only that they're very exciting and a lot of new things are happening with Image and other publishers and video games and things that are exciting. And I can't say anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Darn it. <no. laughs> I know. I know. I, it sucks. I like, I got out of a meeting for a video game project that I'm working on today. That's just like the most exciting thing. And I can show no one anything. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's devastating. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I know. Well, yeah, that must be hard to just kind of sit on and <laughs> kind of let it fester and not have to like want to yell like, it from the rooftops. Exactly. Like I have, I have, you know, friends or family and be like, oh, are you working on anything cool? Yup. Can you tell us about it? Nope. <laughs> Bye. No. They're like, or you're all going to have to sign an NDA. <laughs> exactly. <yep. laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, I hope that when you can announce it, you'll come back on and we can, we can talk about it here. <laughs> For sure. No, absolutely. Anytime. Awesome. Well, um, you know, thank you so much for for chatting with me today. I, you know, I love being able to talk to people that are in the industry, not just, you know, writers and artists, but, you know, you're literally 
creating these, you know, comics, putting them together. You're uh, doing so much. And I think editors so often get overlooked. <laughs> you know, people don't realize how much work um, an editor does. So I really wanted to get you on and, and just, you know, listen to you chat about what you do. For sure. No, thank you so much. Cool. Cool. Well, um, and I look forward to these teasers that you're telling me. Yeah. About. <laughs> so definitely, um, like I said, please come back anytime. And um, yeah, I'd love to have you uh, have you back on. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. This has been Heather Antos. And um, yeah, thanks so much. And I hope you have a great night. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, off to puppy playtime after this. Oh, fun. And we're back. Uh, I have said we're back like four times now. You guys probably haven't heard that because it's been edited out, but I keep messing up. I just want to say, listening to Melissa speak with Heather, uh, you can tell Heather is a really cool person. Uh, She's got her head on straight. And, you know, it sounds like she's having a lot of fun in the comic book industry and kind of living the dream. Uh, So I'm, I'm super jealous that she's going out there doing her thing i'm not jealous i'm proud that there's other people out there that are running through their dreams and making things happen and we're lucky enough to see how they're doing that so kudos to her all right guys if you enjoyed that and i hope you did then you should go over to spoilerverse.com and check out all the offerings we have there's other podcasts there besides spoiler country i hope you check out more spoiler country there's a lot of back issues there over 500 episodes all free Nothing behind a paywall. Nothing behind a paywall. Yet. That's the key there. You never know. Uh, Not only do we have amazing other podcasts, we have writing, we have op-ed pieces, editorials, just amazing stuff. Also, you know, to help us out, because if you noticed, we don't have a lot of advertising and all that kind of stuff, you know, fun stuff going on. If you want to support the show, you can go to spoilerverse.com, click on the store link and buy some merch. You know, t-shirts, hoodies. You know, look look as Johnny likes to say, fly as hell. <laughs> Join us next time. Uh, we'll be back probably tomorrow. Most likely tomorrow. Maybe the next day. But that's about it. We, we release all the time. All the time, kiddos. All the time. All right, guys. In Oceans of Podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more.